And this is Deion Dawkins, man. And you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, Season 9, Episode 17. I'm John DiCarlo. And we have a full house today. Kyle Gauss, Brian Vaughn, Declan Landis, and Johnny Zawizlak. All with us today. Happy to have these guys on board for our latest podcast. We have a lot coming your way today. A lot of basketball to talk about. Temple, of course, lost to St. Joe's in the Big Five Classic. They beat Bloomsburg on Wednesday, and they will now play Albany Sunday night at Barclays Center and the NABC Brooklyn Showcase. I talked to Temple assistant coach Bobby Jordan one-on-one earlier this morning. We have that full interview for you. He provided an injury update on Jaleel White. His assessment of the team after eight games and was able to talk for the first time about Temple's two class of 2024 recruits, Dylan Batie and Aiden Tobias. And so you won't want to miss that. We have some Temple football recruiting updates for you. Uh, some stuff that you can get here, some stuff that you're going to have to get if you are an alscoop.com subscriber. So those subscribers will get even more access to the latest information on the site. And of course, we have answers to a very full mailbag this week as well. The scoop, once again, Brought to you guys by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you have been injured while on the road or the highway and the crash was someone else's fault, the insurance company will not be on your side. You need us. Temple Law Grads will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win. So in Pennsylvania or New York, call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. What's going on, guys? Declan, can you virtually send me some Chick-fil-A that you're eating there? Here, I'll throw it at the camera, see if you catch it. <laughs> we All actually right. lied lied to my son today because my son loves Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A fries and driving past it. And Meg just told him Chick-fil-A is closed today. I just kept going. <laughs> well, it's only the temple one is open. Yeah, only that, only that he one. listens. He's an avid listener. When I listened to the when I looked at the Spotify wrapped version for the podcast, he was it number said, one. You're number one listener. Jordan Gauss. I was devastated. I was only top 19%. <laughs> I'm top zero percent, like like the bottom percentile because I don't listen to our Oh, 99%. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's valid. <laughs> Famous number 17s, guys. Uh Lane Jordan. Oh, Lane Jordan's 13, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Philip Rivers. <laughs> hmm. Uh isn't it wasn't Alshon Jeffrey 17? Yes, he was. Yeah. He was. Devontae no, always had that one catch. Yes. Devontae Adams had wore 17 on the Packers. Does he wear it on the Raiders now? I yes. don't know if he's yes. wearing it for, the, he for the Raiders. I can envision 17 underneath it. 100%. What else? We got more for 17, right? The guy that's holding up all of MLB for agency. Oh, Joe Tani. Yeah. True. He's going to just go to Toronto to confirm my suspicion that he doesn't exist. That he's not a real person. He's just gonna keep staying out of my like atmosphere because I I can can I can confirm that he exists. West Coast baseball does not exist. It doesn't. I mean, I I stood. Look at Johnny being the being the name dropper. (laughs) I'm thinking of a. There's one. There's a 17 that I that I always remember. He was a very good. Well, he's a very good NBA player. Very good college player. Did not work out as a college coach at his alma mater. It's a school in New York. Oh, uh, Mullen? Yes, Chris Mullen. Chris Mullen. Yeah, well, to be fair, 
most people don't work out at St. John's anymore. But <laughs> what about an NFL quarterback, former NFL quarterback with a lot of kids? Philip Rivers. We already said Philip Rivers. Oh, we did say Philip Rivers. Yes. Yeah. I missed that. See, that, that's when you got like listen. Whenever someone makes like an NFL has too many kids joke, you got to listen if they're saying quarter or corner because it's either Philip Rivers or it's Cromartie. Those <laughs> are the two options. What about a <laughs> former Laker who went on to be an actor and I think at one point was married to Vanessa Rick Lord. Fox? Rick yes. Fox. Yeah. A couple more here. Yeah, we mentioned also on Jeffrey. How about a former flyer? You got me. Brenda Moore? Yeah, Rob Brenda Moore. Look at me. I swear that was legitimately from the dome. I was going to say LeClaire, but LeClaire was 10, right? Yeah, LeClaire was 10. Yeah. Former Red Star. Richards baseman. came into my head. Was he 17? I don't know. Uh, Maybe. Brenda Moore wasn't here long enough for them to like put the jersey up in the rafters. So Wayne he definitely Simmons. could have worked. Simmons was, Simmers was 17? Yes. What about a former Red Star baseman who wore Rex specs? 90s. We can literally only think of Joey Votto, but that's not who he's not their baseman. I know that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, the David only Bell? red player I can think of David Bell. David no. Bell. No, go back even a little bit farther than that. Larkin played shortstop. Um, yes, Barry Larkin was shortstop, war number 11. Yeah, I'm not sure. Chris Sabo. I've literally never heard that name. You've never heard that name? <laughs> never. Chicago. Cubs. If he wasn't in, if he wasn't a player I used in the N64 Ken Griffey MLB baseball in the 90s, I, he didn't exist to me. Mm. That's why, like, I still remember, like, Andy Fox, who I think just got, like, a bench coach job somewhere just because he was a second baseman that had nine speed. So I would always trade for him so I could just steal bases. This guy wasn't on my radar. Former Redskins quarterback who also went on to become a coach. Uh, Doug Williams. Gus Doug Williams. Oh, Doug Williams. Doug Williams, first black quarterback to win the Super Bowl, right? Super Bowl, correct. Yes. Yeah. Former yeah. Uh, famous Celtic. Way back. A lot of people play for the Celtics, John. Yeah. John Havlicek. Uh, uh, good. No more scrolling. No more scrolling. We've had a better... We have to scroll that far down. They're not that famous. Good stuff, guys. <laughs> Great stuff, as always. Declan is wearing De- Declan and Johnny are wearing headsets. Declan, Declan from the press box booth just uh, called down to the field. Great stuff as always, guys. <laughs> All right, let's run the next segment. Yeah, you do. You look like a you look like an offensive coordinator. Anyway, as I mentioned at the outset of the show, had a chance to talk to Bobby Jordan, Temple's assistant coach, one of Temple's assistant coaches. Earlier this morning, Bobby, of course, got to coach against his alma mater earlier in the season when Temple beat Drexel. Now they're playing Albany Sunday night in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. Of course, Bobby was on Albany staff last year under Dwayne Killing. So we covered a lot of ground here, talked about several players on the current roster, talked about Aiden Tobiasen, talked about Dylan Batie, talked about the Albany team that they're going to be facing. They're, I mean, they had nowhere to go but up from last year. They were 8-23 and last year. They're already just two wins off of their their win total from last year. So we'll play this interview here in this conversation. We'll have more for you on the other side. Temple assistant coach, Bobby Jordan, kind enough to join us on the scoop this week, squeezing in some time before a staff meeting here on Friday morning as they prepare to face his old squad, Albany. Bobby, how you doing? I'm doing great, John. Thanks uh, for having me on again. 
Uh, excited to you know talk about what we got going on. Bob, we were just about at the the quarter mark of the season. You guys are five and three. Obviously, you'd love to be eight and zero. Oh, who wouldn't? But what have you seen that you've liked, and what needs to improve? You know, I, I think you just see a lot of resiliency from this team in the first, you know, eight games that you talked about. You know, the biggest thing is we don't get too high, we don't get too low, um, face a ton of adversity, you know, a ton of games where, you know, we're up eight with, you know, under two minutes left, the team makes a run, uh, our team just sticks together. And, um, you know, even the LaSalle game, you know, guys fouling out, guys stepping up. Um, you know, you just see that bond, you see that togetherness of our team, um, which I think has led to victories. And I think, you know, in the age of the transfer portal, you know, that's a huge thing that kind of gets underestimated a lot of the times, you know, when you have a team that has that type of bond and that type of togetherness. Um, things that we would like to improve on, um, you know, I think, you know, offensively, defensively, there's always room for improvement. You know, those are things that we're working on every day in practice. And, you know, the season, as much as it's gone so fast already, you know, there's still a lot of time to improve. We got some time coming up. Uh, we're going to have a little break in between games. We can kind of work on ourselves a little bit. A lot of the times now you're kind of getting ready for the next opponent. Um, but these next couple of weeks are going to give us a lot of time to kind of work on ourselves. Anything or anyone who surprised you? And is there anything that has not surprised you? You know, I, I don't think anyone in particular has has really surprised me. You know, being here in the summer and, you know, seeing how these guys work and, you know, the the amount of time they put into their game and into their craft. Um, I always feel like guys like that got reward, get rewarded all the time. Um, and I've seen that with, you know, the guys that have performed so far. Uh, I've seen their work, uh, seen what they put in on a daily basis. So, um, you know, not really any surprises in terms of how guys are performing. Zion Stanford averaging 11.6 points, 4.3 rebounds shooting almost 55% from the floor. Did you guys know all along that, that he might be able to give you this much right away? And again, I know there's a lot of season left and he, and there's always a lot that he can improve on, but it's been great for you guys. Really looks composed playing in big moments, looks composed driving to the rim. And uh, and again, I'm sure if we were talking to him now, he'd say he's got a ton to work on, but he's been a, a real bright spot for you guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw Z a ton in high school. You know, nothing really surprised me with him. The fact that I I played in the same high school league as him, you know, I, I always feel the Philadelphia Catholic League prepares you for something like this, prepares you a lot for college. Um, you're in those atmospheres on, you know, a daily basis. Every game is a big game. There's no, you know, real nights off in that league. Um, so I think that has kind of helped him right away. He doesn't get overwhelmed by the moment. Um, he doesn't get overwhelmed by the opponent. It doesn't matter if we're playing Ole Miss or Bloomsburg. Um, he has the same mindset every single time he comes into the gym. Uh, High Sears your leading scorer, but he's he's taken a lot of shots and and he struggled shooting the ball. And I think Adam said after the after the Bloomsburg win that he's doing some great stuff off the ball and he wants to he wants to get him some rest. What what have you seen from him so far? Yeah, I mean, I think he he's done an unbelievable job of of leading the team. You know, it's it's something that I think has kind of been new to him this year. Um, and he's really stepped up in that role. He's been a lot more vocal um, in timeouts, uh, in practices, in the locker room, before the games, after the games, you know, at shoot around. Uh, I, I think that's a major step for him, um, his maturity, his leadership uh, that I've seen this year. Um, like, like I said, he's one of those guys he puts in work in the gym. Um, I know he's, you know, shooting at a high volume right now, which kind of, 
you know, makes your numbers fluctuate a little bit. You're going to have really good nights. You're going to have really bad nights, you know, but I think the work that he puts in will show throughout the rest of the season. Now tell me about this, this Albany team you're facing Sunday, not the the same roster, obviously, that you had last year when you were on Dwayne Killings' staff and Sebastian Thomas and Amari Marshall, their top two scorers and transfers. But, you know, there's some familiarity there. They're six and three. They've won five in a row. And then you guys have a common opponent in Columbia who they beat by three. What do you, what do you see from them? Yeah, I mean, familiar with obviously a ton of their guys who I coached, even the guys you mentioned, Amari Marshall, Sebastian Thomas, you know, right after the season before I, you know, got the job here, we identified those guys early in the transfer portal, did a ton of homework on them. I I visited with Sebastian Thomas two or three times um, while still on staff during the recruiting process. Um, So got to know those guys as kids um, and as players a lot more than, you know, many people would think since I'm here now, but um you know, just a team that's playing with extreme confidence right now. Um, a lot like I talked about with us, I think compared to last year, they're playing with, you know, a ton of heart. You know, they're playing together uh, this year. I think the guys really enjoy playing with each other. And, you know, they've done an unbelievable job of, you know, turning it around. I mean, I watched their game versus Siena, um, which I know is a big rivalry up there. And, you know, they won by 35. Um, yeah. So they're a team that's, you know, playing with a lot of confidence right now. So it will be key uh, for us, mainly on the defensive end on Sunday. Do you ever think you'd be in a season where you'd be coaching against your alma mater in the building where you played your college basketball and then coaching against your former team in such a a tight window like this? Yeah, I mean, I might have to call Bashir Mason up. We might have to get St. Peter's on the schedule too, (laughs) just so I can make, uh, you know, the trifecta or or Wagner and Coach Donald Copeland, um, you know, just so I can make the rounds of all the places I used to be. But, you know, it's it it's cool in a way when you're playing a team like that, you're very familiar with their players, you know, which helps in some ways. Um, you know, there's also an emotional attachment to the game. You know, you spend a lot of time with those guys. Um, a lot of their guys on staff, you know, Ryan Daly, you know, who I spent a lot of time with last year up there in Albany, obviously DK, you know, and the players as well. I mean, the, you develop, my kids still talk about the players on their team all the time. And, um, you know, it'll be fun. I'm sure you get asked about it and, and Lord knows Fran Dumphy has been asked about it a million times because he's coached a Penn and Temple and Sal. Does the, the emotional attachment, does that like shut off once the game starts or do you still find yourself thinking about it at times during the game as a human being? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, it, it shut off the, the minute the uh, buzzer went off first Bloomsburg, you know, I, I'm a little intense, you know, kind of when it comes to the game time, uh, it was funny, you know, you do these things before the game when we play home games and, and and Pat Marion, uh, one of our great loyal fans, told me that, you know, when you do the talk before the game in the um, the, the press room, I, I'm a little serious. And I just told him, I said, uh, you know, I'm a little different. I'm, I'm really happy and, you know, I'm kind of playful, you know, when we're not in game time. And then the minute that buzzer starts and I know it's time to go, you know, I kind of turn into a different person. So, you know, the same is for this game. You know, I mean, I don't really want to laugh and joke about it before it's serious. And, you know, after, well, not necessarily after, but the day after, you know, call DK, call Ryan. All right, we can talk again now. So, um, you know, that's kind of the approach I usually take. After the Bloomsburg game, Fish said he'd, he'd talk to the doctors to get an update on Jaleel White. Do you, do you guys have an idea of, of when he'll be back? Yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, a lot like Fish said, you know, it's kind of just listening to the doctors kind of feel what they think is the best approach for him. Um, we're hoping to get him back soon, you know, but, you know, kind of just whatever is the best for job right now is, you know, health wise is kind of our priority.
it's it sounds like the simple question but you know he was playing some of the best basketball of his career you could tell that that you guys have brought out a lot of confidence in him he was taking and and making some shots that he just wasn't last mm-hmm. year and then I'd have to think you know, for as talented a roster as St. Joe's has, that that he probably would have helped you guys. I, I would have to think he probably would have been the guy guarding Rashier Fleming when he was maybe, I, I guess, like when he got going and you missed him there. How much have you guys missed him and how much is he going to mean to you guys when he does come back? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've obviously missed him a lot. He was playing at such a high level um, before we went out, like you said. You know, on the defensive end, he gives us that versatility. Um, you know, like you talked about in a game versus St. Joe's, he could guard anybody from – Rushier Fleming to Eric Reynolds in the game, you know, so, you know, defensively, you know, he gives us a ton of versatility and offensively he was playing with a ton of confidence. And now, you know, when he's able to come back, it's it's building that confidence back up, you know, a lot like we've seen with, you know, I think Fish talked about this after the Bloomsburg game as well with Jordan Riley, you know, he's averaging probably about, I think, 15 points or something like that over the last four games, but he was out for three weeks, you know, had a really good, you know, scrimmage versus Duquesne and then, you know, tweak, tweaked the hamstring a little bit and was out for a couple of weeks um, and really had to get that back together. And now you're kind of seeing the player that he can be um, now that he's got his confidence back, he's got his rhythm back. Um, so that will be a lot with Ja too, is really getting that confidence, that rhythm back with him um, that he developed over the offseason. Speaking of Jordan, again, you, you see the, you see the high major athleticism that, mm. that made him a big East level recruit. I mean, you touched on a little bit already, but what have you seen from him so far and what's, what's still left for him to accomplish and work on this season? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that, you know, people might be surprised by a little bit is how good of a shooter he is. Um, you know, you look at his numbers at Georgetown and, you know, they weren't, they didn't jump off the page. Um, and I think he said this, or we said this at one point is, you know, when we watched and studied his film, we really looked at his form and, um, you know, we thought that he could be, you know, a decent shooter you know, combine that with the athleticism, you know, the ability to attack the basket, the ability to get out and transition. You know, we we thought this is who he would be. In that LaSalle game, you talked about a little bit, a, a lot of guys had to grow up quickly just to fill minutes for you. And it was an insane game. I, like, I think I tweeted out in the 26 years or so that I've covered college basketball, never covered a, a triple overtime game. And one of those guys that had to grow up quickly for you was, was Quante Berry. We saw a lot of quickness. And he didn't turn the ball over in, in 21 minutes as well. And as Adam talks about getting someone like Fabe some some rest, could that mean more more minutes for him and more growth from him? Yeah, I mean, when you when you look at Q a lot like Z, you know, those those guys are basically freshmen on the court. And freshmen always have their ups and downs in a college basketball season. And, you know, he's experienced that so far and he's he's done an unbelievable job of, you know, taking that in stride. Uh, he hasn't changed as a person every day. Uh, he is who he is when he comes into practice, puts in his work, you know, and, and it's eventually going to get rewarded. It's hard in this kind of instant gratification, you know, kind of realm that we're in sometimes with guys. And that sometimes it takes guys some time, you know, a guy who didn't play at all last year at Providence, you know, redshirted, you know, really built up his body, you know, saw the work that he needed to put in on an NCAA tournament team. You know, it, it just doesn't happen right away for you, you know. So the the thing that I appreciate about him is, you know, he's been consistent with his work. And, you know, a game like LaSalle, you kind of see it. You see how the talent that he possesses um, and what he can what he can be for us. 
as a Philly guy who's played a, a lot of games, you've played in the Palestra, you've coached on Palestra, the Big Five Classic, this was the first the first year of it. And of course, they add Drexel, which I'm sure was was a cool thing for you being a, a former Drexel player. You guys get to the first, you know, the inaugural Big Five Classic championship game. And I thought the atmosphere at the Wells Fargo Center was was really cool. I thought a lot of people at first, oh, I'm not sure this is going to work. We'd love to see it at the Palestra. People had a lot of opinions about it. At the end of the day, they sold more than 15,000 tickets for the day. And I thought the atmosphere was great for the the championship game. Obviously, again, you guys would have wanted to win that game. But what what did you think of it now that you have a, a little bit of time to step away from it? You guys got to be in a pod with Drexel. Uh, the atmosphere at the dock was great. And then you, you're in the championship game. What did you think of it? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was an unbelievable day. Um, I was on, the, I was a sophomore on the last Drexel team that beat Villanova, you know. So it was cool to see that in that moment. You know, me and Cam Winter as alums, we were kind of sitting in our team room right before our uh, walkthrough and pregame meal, just watching the end of the game. Uh, you know, so that got the day started and kind of showed what Big Five basketball was all about. It doesn't matter who's playing who; um, these are different type of games and. You know, I thought the atmosphere at the Wells Fargo was great, uh, especially for our game. You know, we kind of got to sit around at the end of the LaSalle game, kind of waiting for that game to get over. And, and like you said, like it's obviously an NBA arena, a pro arena that seats probably about 20,000. Well, that got loud in there. And I think it showed that the city will support, you know, this type of, you know, format that they've created. And even the pod games, you know, were unbelievable. I mean, I think we probably played the two closest games when you look at our game versus Drexel and our game versus LaSalle. You know, and those games can go either way. And then you see in the other pod with Penn upset and Villanova and, you know, that thinking everybody thinking it's coming to a tiebreaker. And then St. Joe's goes to Villanova and wins. And it's like, we don't need the tiebreaker. And it worked out with two 2-0 two teams in the championship game. And, you know, I thought it was a great game, great atmosphere. And hopefully we can continue that. And, um, you know, looking forward to doing it again next year. Do you take uh, on that similar level when you talk about like the emotional attachment, is it kind of cool to have those moments like you talked about with you and Cam? Like that's a big deal that the that Drexel knocked off Villanova. And I know that the Villanova is in a little bit of a rut right now, but you guys, I, I saw those little moments where guys were just kind of like looking at these little moments, uh, like a guy like Brian Beecham, who's a, a former temple manager under Cheney and is now like an associate AD over at Villanova. He, you know, Beach stuck around to watch a little bit of the Temple game because it's still his team, even though he's at another Big Five school. And you had these little like chapters throughout the throughout the day. Do you get to enjoy that a little bit, and then you kind of lock back into game mode? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I know you mentioned Beach, and I don't really know him very well, but uh, he also came to our shoot around, which was pretty cool, and that kind of shows you know his love for Temple, um, which is great to see. And you know, you have these kind of you know different one offs on probably every team in the city. You know, and, and at heart, you support your school, you support your team. Um, but like I said before, you know, when that ball tips up and it's time to go, you know, you want to be the team coming up top. We want Temple, you know, to be on that banner that they're raising in the Wells Fargo Center. In that game, St. Joe's pulled away at the end, but you guys had that 11-0 run that got you back into the game and and allowed you to hang around. And obviously they they were shorthanded in that game too with Chris Sassadoko being out, but you guys were missing Ja. Billy Lang's been building that roster for five years and they're really starting to hit their stride. Whereas you guys are kind of in year one of things. What'd you take away from that game? Yeah. I mean, I thought, I mean, going into the game, uh, we said this all along, we thought St. Joe's was, was the most talented, the best team that we faced all season. You know, that includes scrimmages that we had and, you know, the game, even Ole Miss, you see, they're still undefeated. 
Um, we thought they were the best team we've faced all season. You know, I thought I thought we kind of got off to a slow start, which hurt us probably early on. And then in the second half, you kind of saw, you know, a lot what we've been all year. And, you know, I think it was it was a great matchup, even though both teams were missing guys. And like you said, it's it's year five for Coach Lang. He's done an unbelievable job of of building up that program. Um, there's a lot of pressure here in Philadelphia a lot of the times. And, you know, I think they've kind of just stuck their head down, kept on working. And, you know, you see when, you know, you allow people to do that, you know, the success that's possible. Heading into the game, if somebody said, hey, you guys are going to hold Eric Reynolds to what you held him to, you probably would have taken that, right? But is it just the product of the roster saying, okay, like a guy like Rashir Fleming can go off, you can get a little bit of a contribution here and there from Lynn Greer. But it looked like you guys, you know, you know, Reynolds is still a really good ball player, but he didn't he didn't hurt you like you've hurt other teams. Was that kind of a byproduct of like, we're going to try to pick our poison there, but someone else kind of got you? And in this case, it was Rashir Fleming being really good. Yeah, I mean, going into the game, we knew their guards were, you know, kind of the main focus of kind of you can't let those guys beat you. You know, Rashir Fleming's a talented player. I thought he really stepped up, you know, kind of knew, we kind of knew he was capable of doing that, you know, but you got to give up something. And, you know, more credit to him. He stepped up on a big stage, made a lot of ton of big plays for them. Uh, Xavier Brown as well. You know, he's been really good for them early on and will continue to be good for them. Um, so, you know, when you talk about their three-guard lineup of, you know, Reynolds, Lynn, and Cam Brown, those are guys you kind of focus on. You, you want to stop them. Um, but, you know, it speaks to the depth of their roster. Like you said, year five, they really built that up um, with having some really good recruiting classes in the last three years. You know, it's hard to stop everybody. A lot yeah. of time. So you got to give it up and, you know, credit to those guys for stepping up on a big stage. Now that these guys have signed, we can ask you about two really exciting pieces of your future in Dylan Batie and Aiden Tobias. And yeah, I had the chance to to talk to a, a mutual friend of ours, Ari Rosenfeld from Elite High School Scouting. And and he's really high on both of these guys, as obviously as I'm sure you guys are. Tell us a little bit about Dylan Batie. When we were talking to Ari, Ari, and he's not one for sensationalism, he said, I think Dylan Batie comes in and he's immediately one of the best athletes in the American, you know, just in terms of what he could give them. What is he going to mean for you guys? Obviously, he still has a senior year ahead of him, but just how big is it to get a guy like him, a legacy recruit, the type of schools that were in the mix with his recruitment and uh, that he chose Temple over? I mean, looking at him during the recruiting process, uh, you know, the first thing that stuck out about him was really who he is as a person. He really fit us. He kind of really fit our staff, our our players, the composition of our roster. Um, on his visit, you kind of saw how relatable he is right away. Um, and that's big. That's, that's, you know, a lot that goes into this recruiting process is just not all points, rebounds, and assists, and how much they average. That, that was a big piece for us. You know, athletically, Dylan's off the charts. Um, you know, can can play with the best of them. Uh, he reminds me a lot of, uh, I might mess up this name, but he reminds me a lot of Obi Enechionia, if I got yeah, that right. You got it. Yeah, you got uh, it. He's got a little bit of Obi to his game, you know, so that's kind of when I was watching him in the summer, that was kind of the first guy that came to my mind as a former Temple player um, and people that our fans might be, you know, a little bit, you know, aware of. Uh, so, you know, really excited about him and what he can bring to us next year. And then another guy that's a really cool story is Aiden Tobias and who's, whose recruitment just, I don't want to say changed overnight, but close, close to it. And now, you know, people are really, really seeing the type of ball player that he is. 
can you just kind of take us through now again like i said now that you sign and you can talk about them from your perspective where and how you guys got involved because again like at this point last year nobody really knew about him even in the spring he wasn't where he was and then started taking off a little bit in the summer and then he started playing in some of these showcase games and you guys kind of swooped in and got him and got a really good player yeah i mean you kind of just look at him his size his length um his skill level uh are what really stepped out about him you know on the court and a lot like i just talked about with dylan um, you know, off the court as well. I mean, I went down to go see him at St. Elizabeth, you know, had, ne had never met him in my life. And he came right up to me like, oh, hey, coach, how you doing? You know, like was really had a really great personality to him, a lot of pop to him. Um, you know, that really stuck out to me right away when I went to go see him. And then just kind of watching how he moved on the court, you know, his ability to shoot, his ability to handle, um, you know, kind of were the biggest things for us. And if you look at him, um, a lot kind of how Michigan used to say with their recruits, um, you know, he's actually like a year younger than a lot of kids in his class. Um, I know Michigan and John Beeline used to recruit like that a lot, uh, really worried about guys' birthdays. I'm not saying that that's what went into our thinking with that, but then when we saw that, um, you know, that's something that sticks out. You know, that that shows a guy that still has growth. Um, I think Ari has talked a lot about this, is you're getting a guy who kind of hasn't been – you know, taken over by the AAU world and kind of that stuff. He's no he's, bad habits, right? No, yeah. yeah, he talks about no bad habits. He's coming in ready to work. He wants to work. He wants to be great. You know, and a kid that was just overlooked. You know, it's it's really hard nowadays to kind of find that. You know, but in the age of the you know AAU world with you know the sneaker circuits and you're and you're playing on a non-sneaker team, you see that happen. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be John Morant, but that was John Morant. You know, he was playing in the back gym and wound up at Murray State, you know, so that those those things can happen. And, you know, really excited about him. Um, I think he's going to have a big year down in Delaware. And, uh, you know, like you said, a guy that doesn't really have many bad habits um, that I think can only continue to get better. Bobby, just now that you guys have Dylan and Aiden signed, I mean, just just from a recruiting perspective, I know you guys can't talk about the players you're recruiting in the future. But when you get two guys like Dylan and Aiden signed, just how big is it just from a, a resources and time and flexibility standpoint to say, wow, we really have our, our 2024 class anchored because we know what's ahead. Like the portal is going to be crazy. There's roster fluidity. You got the 25 and 26 classes, just how big, I know it sounds like a basic question, but how big is it for you guys to just get off to that type of start with recruiting? Yeah. I mean, we talked about this with St. Joe's um, a little bit ago of them being in year five and, you know, kind of why they've gotten to this point is they've been able to build consecutive recruiting classes that have been really good through high school players. And, um, you know, we felt like we got that with Aiden and Dylan right away. Um, and now this allows us to kind of get, you know, in a way a jump start on 2025 during the high school season. We could probably can devote a little bit more time to those guys that we are looking at. Um, during the season compared to other staffs just because of where we are with our 2024 class. You know, so I think it will be a big help, but we've also hit the ground running with that class as soon as we got here. You know, signing those guys early has kind of put us in a great position to kind of, you know, know what we're going to need a lot of the times in that 2025 class. And like I said, get a jump, jump start on it, build those relationships and, you know, continue to be visible, you know, in the area and out of the area with those guys. Just on a personal level, just to close things out, and again, we really appreciate your time today. You're you're back home now around the holidays. Now, I don't know if you guys are, if you and your wife and the kids are staying out in uh, in Hawaii for Christmas, but you got to be home around 
around the holidays for, for Thanksgiving after, you know, being up at Albany. And then even when you were at Wagner, I mean, you were commuting every day. What was Thanksgiving like? What's it like? Just obviously you're, you're a basketball nut, you're locked in, but what's it like to be back in Philly at this time of the year? I wish we would have got the win the day before. Um, yeah. That, that makes the turkey taste a lot better. <laughs> um, you know, it, it was cool. I got to, uh, you know, kind of spend time with, you know, my family for probably the first time in like 10 years. Yeah. Uh, I think we said um, when we went to dinner and, um, you know, they were all at the games and stuff like that. So we kind of talk about that and sit around, you know, but it's just, it's just fun to be around family during these times. And you kind of know in college basketball, like, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas or, you know, they're a crapshoot. You don't know when you're going to be around year after year. Like you said, this year we're going to be in Hawaii. Uh, so I'm going to be there on Christmas. My family's going to be here you know, which is obviously tough, but that's just the nature of college basketball. That's what it is every year. Oh, so your wife and the kids are going to be back here or are they coming out with you? Yeah, they're going to be back here. They, they, uh, you know, with school and all that stuff, they're not going to be able to make the trip. Does Bobby Jordan get asked to, uh, to cook at all for Thanksgiving? Uh, absolutely not. I, I, I do no, I do no cooking whatsoever. What was your favorite Thanksgiving side? Uh, favorite Thanksgiving side. I, I'm, really old school with this I, I love cranberry sauce I, I like the one that's in the can yeah. I don't like the um you know the fufu one that's like got you know real <laughs> fancy I, I don't like those ones I like the one that I think it's like ocean spray in the can yeah. open up, pour it out thanks Bobby I appreciate it I know you gotta head off to your meeting there uh good luck this weekend have a safe trip up there we'll talk to you soon thanks John appreciate you go yeah. Al's all right man all right, thank you to Bobby Jordan for spending some time with us this morning for the scoop. Uh, again, Temple lost to St. Joe's in the Big Five Classic. They got behind early, got back into the game with 11-0 run, but just weren't good enough to get back into things. And then, of course, they won the, the very definition of a get-right game uh, against Bloomsburg Wednesday night. D2 school beat them by 30. Guys, just from the last week of Temple basketball, any big picture takeaways from those games? Of course, Hersia Miller continues to struggle. High volume shooter, not making high volume of shots. Zion Stanford continues to play well. They they miss Jaleel White. As you heard Bobby Jordan say there, uh, they're hoping to have him back soon. Talking to the doctors. Uh, it, you know, we we don't have an exact timetable there, but he said he hopes to have him back soon. Obviously, having Jaleel White on somebody like Rashir Fleming could have helped. I'm not saying Temple would have definitely won the game, but they held Eric Reynolds in check, but St. Joe's just has a deeper and better roster at this point. But what do you guys take from this last week of, of, of Temple basketball as they head into Sunday night's game? I think for me, one of the biggest things, and uh, Bobby Jordan, you talked about in your interview, was kind of Jordan Riley and how he's kind of really became confident and looked a lot better on the basketball floor. He missed those first couple weeks of games, and it just seems like he needed a, a little bit to kind of get back within himself, get confident on the floor. And he's really started to be an efficient shooter and be a big role for Temple on offense. And his athletic ability has really shown. I think he had three blocks in the game against Bloomsburg. So he's kind of stepped up in that like athletic respect um, in Jaleel White's absence. I think he's also stepped up in games against opponents that aren't Bloomsburg, where he should have everybody on the on Temple's roster should have a decided advantage. But you, you see the the big East athleticism, you see why he was a, a high major recruit as well. I do question a little bit. Like I, I understand that Adam Fisher defended Heiser Miller after the game with saying he was plus 30, that he made himself, his presence known in other parts of the field, other field on the floor. And I agree with that, but like 
he also needs to become a little better, bit better of a shooter. At one point this year, he was shooting 10 threes a game. He, going into the Bloomsburg game, was the second least efficient guy in the nation when it came to scoring 18 points a game. Um, so whether that's him taking more of a backseat as the season progresses to a guy like Jordan Riley when it comes scoring, or if that's just him becoming more efficient as a, a scorer, I think that is a, a little bit of a place of concern a quarter of the way through the season. Yeah, I kind of took, like, when, when Adam's saying he's doing a lot of things off the ball really well, I, he, he sounds like a coach who's trying to just keep Heisier's confidence up. I'm sure Heisier knows that he could be playing much, much right. better. I don't know if that means that the ball's going to be in Jordan Riley's hands a little bit more, if the ball's going to be in in Quante Barry's hands a lot more. Also, this isn't necessarily something new either, right? I mean, this right. is like... Heisier's had stretches during his time at Temple where he kind of like goes through these funks and then he'll go through a stretch and you look and you're like, oh, he averaged 19 and a half over the last five. So uh, I guess if you're going to have this cold stretch, it's better to do it against Bloomsburg and potentially Albany than it is against Wichita State and Memphis, but still something to keep an eye on. Yeah. So again, looking ahead to Sunday's game against Albany, again, they're six and three. They've won five in a row. Their leading scorer, Sebastian Thomas and Amari Marshall, are both transfers. Marshall's a 6'4 guard from Hofstra, and then Thomas is a 6'1 guard from Rhode Island. Then they have Jonathan Beagle, last year's America East Rookie of the Year at 6'10, 240 pounds. He's averaging close to 12 points and nine rebounds a game. So this is going to be anything but an easy game for Temple. Like I said earlier, Albany's already just two wins off their entire win total from eight last season. So they're they're much improved. Um, heading over to, to some football news before we get to an extensive mailbag here. Uh, again, if you've been following along this week, Torin Wright, the NC State transfer, is on a visit to Temple this weekend. Again, our Al Scoop subscribers will get the full list of visitors, and that's including a quarterback and a running back of note. So, again, if you have not yet subscribed to Al Scoop, you're missing out. We have the most update, most updated, up to date information for you. Uh, on the visitors from this weekend. Of course, the Owls also got a verbal commitment from JUCO defensive lineman uh, Demonye Lacey. You can read Ryan Mack's story there as well. So again, things are continuing to pick up. Uh, we'll expect more verbal commitments as we get closer to that December 20th signing date, right? Correct. Right. So let's jump to the mailbag here. A lot of questions, a lot of stuff on people's minds. These are all from our subscribers on the football and basketball message boards. Uh, D-Blaze 75, coming in hot. Does Temple football exist in 10 years? If so, in what capacity? For example, American Athletic Conference, FCS, ACC, or some new conference. Uh, I can say I think we always start with this. I, I FCS is not an option. I think if the pro well, program... Even... We, we, we should probably take a step back and ask and talk about why he's asking this question. Yeah, yeah. Right? So like Charlie Baker, the NCAA president, floated the idea on Tuesday or Wednesday to kind of basically have that split from the haves and the have-nots within the NCAA, NCAA and require um, schools that wanted to opt in to the haves to put at least $30,000 a year for half of their student-athletes into a fund. A trust fund's not the right phrase, but a fund that would then be paid out to the players. So if you're a Temple person, I don't see how logistically you can only pay half. I think you have to pay every student athlete because otherwise, like, how are you going to decide who's doing half and half? So, like, you're probably looking at an extra six, seven million dollars a year out of an operating budget if you mm -hmm. opt into this. So, 
that's kind of the the reason why D Blaze is asking this question. And I just and we have and we can you know we in fairness, can... this was just a proposal from Charlie Baker, and it's gotten a bit of pushback from some people that you would think would be haves already. So the final product might look a little different. Yeah, and again, like the, if we can blend in. This other question here from Malenko, have you heard anything from Arthur Johnson or anyone senior leadership about Charlie Baker's proposed new division of football and whether Temple would try to be one of the 100 schools or so or so Baker keeps mentioning? No, we haven't heard anything from Arthur Johnson. To be fair, he hasn't been asked about it just yet. But, yeah, it's obviously the the hottest topic in college sports right now. And I'm sure a million other people have this opinion. It's in my humble opinion. I think it's just a weak proposal on charlie baker's behalf i mean this is they should have been thinking about this long and hard before nil became a thing if if they actually if they actually you know if they're going to complain about collectives if they're going to complain about the this era of the transfer portal and nil becoming the wild west then they should have come up with a revenue sharing model to begin with that that would have addressed something like this and now it just seems like Oh my gosh, we have to remain relevant. Otherwise, the SEC could break away from things. And I mean, I don't know. Am I am I off in that or am I being too unfair or no? Uh I mean, I think it's at least partially like a cover your ass thing by Charlie Baker. I think uh, naively he might think that this gets them off the hook for some of the pending litigation against them, which it most certainly does not. Um, but like the NCAA is a glacial organization. They've always been slow to respond to things it's always been trying to put the toothpaste back in the toothpaste toothpaste roll like i the toothpaste I, roll. <laughs> when i was like oh what's a tube tube is the the tube yeah <laughs> i forgot the word seatbelt the other day i literally was yeah. told i was like yo buckle like i couldn't i couldn't process seatbelt so be kind maybe i'm losing we're declan we're declan and johnny were you guys doing the tootsie roll is that what you were doing you look like you were doing a dance yeah i said uh let me see your toothpaste roll you know the Tootsie Roll? My mom loves that song, yeah. Doesn't it start off by saying, yeah, 1994? That's like, the only part I know. So how many years before you were born? <laughs> uh, quite a few. Nah, not quite a few. A considerable number. Declan also, I mean, like Declan, I mean, Declan's aware of, of musical musical happenings before he was born. We had, a, we had a nice like two or three minute chat about David Foster yesterday, did we not? We did, and that was before you started booing us for our singing ability. So, that, you yeah, know, it turned out so quick. I did several times, and they didn't who, hear me at who, first, so I kept booing and you? booing louder. Who are you to <laughs> boo somebody for singing? From the other room, too. It was, it was crazy. just to make them laugh. And they, didn't, and they didn't hear me at first, so I kept booing louder and louder, and finally I hear, is he, is he booing us? I was like, yes. There's some like Temple student government running for VP person on the other side of your wall just banging their head against it, hearing you boo louder and louder. And louder. Twirl that was in our newsroom. <laughs> they probably think they're, they probably think like their office is haunted. Just you going, boo. And back, yeah, to, the back, to, the, back to the original question. Um, <laughs> Where is Temple in 10 years? Where is Temple football? Honestly, and this I, I've gone back and forth on this over the last week. I bet you if other teams in the American opt-in, Temple's going to opt-in. Mm-hmm. Like, legitimately. I don't see Temple... Like If everybody else in the Americans, like, yes, we're willing to put another line item of six, six and a half, seven million dollars towards paying these players, and that is the stipulation for being part of the American, I can't see Temple being like, I'm going to walk away from eight and a half million dollars in revenue to go down to the A-10 and make $350,000 in revenue just to avoid that, I bet you they'll continue to do it. If 
obviously I think Temple's going to be a follower in this. If East Carolina and these other schools are like, no, we're going to opt out and we're going to just try to like play regionally and do that. I think Temple will follow that. But if, if I can't see Temple being the one school in the American to be like deuces them out. To your point, Kyle, in and I know we talked about this a little bit last week, but you know, Temple News, we did a we did a pretty cool cool article. You know, go check it out. Uh, but in our conversation with uh, with Arthur Johnston, he mentioned that other teams in the conference are the measuring stick. Mm-hmm. So you know that they're trying to to keep up and to measure themselves against people in the American teams in the American collectives in the American, and if. Like you said, if these teams start trying to to look into this and start pursuing it, I think it probably lights a fire under Temple to actually like consider it even more than maybe they're already doing now. So yeah. to your point, they look at the other teams in the conference and they measure themselves against it. So that's entirely possible. Mm-hmm. That being said, what I think, and this isn't just Temple, what I think is going to be a side effect of this is I think you're going to see schools cut programs. Yeah. Because if I have to pay the men's crew team and the women's lacrosse team the same amount that I have to play, pay these quarterbacks, I bet you they'll just start cutting it. And Temple's done that in the past, right? Temple did that before they had to start paying players. They decided that baseball and softball were not in their budget. So it wouldn't surprise me if Temple got even tighter with that. And initially, crew and rowing were cut before so before people stepped up financially to to bring them back. And it's... It's I don't know. It's just more poor adaptation and poor leadership from the NCAA, and and just a reaction to this. And more, you know, I agree with you, Kyle. I mean, I think you tweeted that earlier this week. I mean, more if this continues to progress and becomes a thing, I I think a lot of a, a lot of non-revenue sports are really gonna really gonna suffer from this, which is which is unfortunate. The, I also sorry sorry I, I want to talk about this a little more. I also yeah. wonder what happens to like the Villanovas of the world, mm-hmm. where who where you want to be a power player in basketball, and they I know they're saying right now, hey, this doesn't impact like the Habs will be able to play the Hab Nots in in silly tournaments. I know they're saying that now. Once you make that line in the sand with the Habs and Hab Nots, five years from now it becomes why are we playing these Hab Nots in basketball? Why aren't we just doing this? My number nine team in the Big Ten is better than the number three team in the American. Why are we doing this? Teams like Villanova are going to want to be at the table. Does that mean by this rule, and they also then need to pay all their FCS football players $30,000 each? Like, mm-hmm. I I think it's just, I think it's kind of like harebrained where it was just like, let's shoot from the hip, let's try to get something out there to make it seem like we're approaching like a solution to this and that we're being forward thinking. But like most things with the NCAA, it's half, yeah, it's half-assed. So yeah. I don't think they've thought all, all the ramifications. Yeah. You know who has though? Me. New American Athletic Conference president, Kyle Joseph Gals. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, Mike Oresco, Mike Oresco announced his retirement. So are you, if you are the new commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, are you going to, each oh, week I, issue I, statements. I yeah, I mean, this is the the path they've gone down, right? They want to. I don't think you can all of a sudden be like, "We've lost our our fearless leader, Mike Oresco. We're no longer considering ourselves at that table." Like, pot committed. I could also see you relocating the league offices to that to that office building at the intersection of Route 100 and 113 that's been that's been vacant for a while. Easy access to the PA Turnpike. Get it back into the Northeast. What office building at 113? It's just on I don't the, know, the like, far side, like across from like Red Robin and 
Yeah. Yep. I'm just trying to cram a down. I was there like three weeks ago. I was like, like got off the turnpike, went out more towards like um, Eagle View in that area. Everything in there is just completely different than five years ago. It's just all condos and office buildings and chain restaurants. Right. I was growing up in downtown. We used to have to go to Delaware to eat dinner. You would drive through Southern Chester County to get to Delaware to eat at the restaurants. Think of if, if you had to go to Delaware, think of where we had to go to do anything when, we, when I first moved out there in 1986. There was not much around. I presume you picked up your rotary phone and you called the farmer from down the street and they just brought you a <laughs> wheel of cheese. Hello. <laughs> the milkman didn't. <laughs> My the house I used to go to in Margate growing up had a rotary phone until like 2007, and it was wild. That's Eric's Eric's house, right? Yes. Oh, that house! What a! I think think it's in the process of potentially being turned into condos. So you stayed at that house for part of your part of your bachelor party, as you know. You were there, correct? I was there. Yes, legendary house, right, Mir? If you had the choice to to move the league offices from the Dallas Fort Worth area, where would you relocate the league offices for the American Athletic Conference? I don't know. Probably somewhere closer to where all the schools are. I mean, Opposite. Middletown, St. Croix. <laughs> <laughs> we're blowing out our. We're not doing any league meetings over Zoom. All in person. Everybody. Has all to- we'll have the annual catamaran meetings where they all just come up right off the water. Just that BYOB. Bring your own boat. Yeah. BYOB, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Uh, getting back to the mailbag, next mailbag question here from our subscribers. The username is stapler. one any updates on John Adams? He was playing really well before he got injured. Yeah. He, had a, he broke his leg, had surgery. Stan Drayton said that. And again, just a good time to remind people like we'll, the next time we talk to Stan Drayton will be on national signing day. Of course, we'll ask him about the, the players that, that they that they sign high school players, junior college players, transfers, and then we'll, we'll ask them as much as we can about the current roster as well. 82 Al. Next Real quick, I think it's only been like three weeks, right? Since John Adams broke his leg. Yeah. I mean, there's just, I, I mean, like the, 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 the real update will be, and they may not even know this yet is like, will he be ready for spring brawl? Probably, probably not. Did not. EJ sign his cast before he left? Is the real question. I don't know. We can hags. Have a great summer. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ask him that question. Focus on the seat. (laughs) Oh man. Um, eighty-two Al asks us how many players have already entered the portal. Well, obviously it's if you've been keeping up, it's 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 EJ, it's it's Edward Sadie, it's uh Lance, Lance Nate, right? He must have gotten an extra year of eligibility from that year he got injured because he had already used six years of eligibility. Mm-hmm. So he must have gotten a seventh. So good for him. Um, Davian Hood. Davian Hood. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, more, I was already there. Honestly, I mean, it's so December far, 8th. There hasn't been like this huge wave of Temple players like you've seen the last couple of years. Right. Yeah. And again, tomorrow could bring new names. We don't know, but it's it has for 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 a team that just lost a starting quarterback and for a team that has gone three and nine in consecutive seasons where the fan base is understandably disappointed. It has, as Kyle said, it has not been this huge mass exodus. And again, we'll see what happens. We've been saying for a few weeks, the, the vibe on the program, again, they need to win, but this is not Rod Carey 2.0. We'll of course right. be keeping an eye on what, what Jordan McGee and Vandy Rigby elect to do. They should be, I don't have a, timetable side, but I don't know. The big difference between this year and last year from a non-Temples perspective is that the window is only 30 days now instead right. of 45. 
So previous years, you would see kids wait until the first day of spring ball or spring semester, then into the portal. So that way they got their scholarship for the spring semester and they could just stay as a student while they're figuring things out. Now it's like you need to make that decision before this before the spring. Otherwise, you have to wait till summer. So the Temple has I'm sure they're still every day. You're just holding your breath if you're Sandra. But as of right now, you know, almost a weekend, they've kind of dodged some bullets. Yeah. Uh, Park Al asks us, and this is basketball related, biggest surprise, both positive and negative at the quarter mark of the season. Ramir, I'll start with you. Biggest surprise, both positive and negative for Temple basketball at the quarter mark of the season. Positive? I guess they stay in games. And I know um, Bobby Jordan talked about it in the interview about being resilient and them being resilient. And they have, like they they've taken they've taken some teams to um, I guess triple overtime. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and they they do fight. It's not like they just give up. So I guess that's the biggest positive. Negative. Um. Biggest negative. Maybe Steve Settle. He just he he's come he's come around like the last two of the last three games. He's he's you know he's gotten I guess a feel for the offense and his offensive game. But I thought he'd be a lot better. Right, we're coming down hard on Steve Settle. Kyle agree, disagree. No, Steve Settle is exactly what I thought Steve Settle was going to be. I didn't. I mean, he went up like four levels in basketball. Like not to like crap on the MIAC, but like it was the MIAC. And then he went up to like the Americans. So like that's kind of the progression I expected. Like he's he was gonna have to be like a third, fourth guy here. Um positives. I think Zion Stanford's ability to hit the yeah. ground day one to be a scoring threat. I think he has a lot of work to do on his defense, but just to, like to be able to score the ball that consistently as a true freshman that you know, three years ago West West Catholic was not a powerhouse, so he didn't come from like a powerhouse program until recently. Like that's impressive. Negative, and I kind of expected this too, but still negative is holy crap, this team can't shoot. Yeah. Like for a team that wants to shoot a lot of threes, this team cannot shoot yet. And there's they have to keep building towards that and building towards that. And I think that's like I think Billy Lang had a good quote where he said, Fisher's in year one, and I mean like year six or seven. Like I've been doing this and I've already taken my lumps. Like Adam Fisher's staff is in year one of trying to rebuild this. Um, so they're still just looking for an identity. Yeah. Declan Johnny. Yeah, I uh we've talked about this guy a lot on this year program, but I think the biggest positive has been Sam Hoffman and what he's contributed for a guy that came in so late to the team, you know, was a was a later recruit in the summer. He stepped up in game one and made a huge impact. Uh, he's had a lot of different stops. He's shut down a lot of different people. He's played really good defense. His offense has kind of fallen off from what it was initially, but I don't think he was ever really expected to be a scorer. So I think his contribution, the way he's been able to anchor that defense has been big. But to kind of build off what Kyle was saying and what Ramir was saying as well, it's their scoring late in games. Like they, I think we made a joke against um, Bloomsburg, but it was like, you know, they'll start a game really slow in the first 10 minutes, not be able to score. Then the last 10 minutes of the first half and the first 10 minutes of the second half, They'll get all their points, and they'll have a huge lead. And then the last 10 minutes, hopefully they hold on for the win. Like, that's that's what it feels like. You know, they, they've they gone 
on so many different stretches of like five, six, seven minutes where they don't get a field goal. And that like makes games either closer or puts the nail in the coffin. We saw that against St. Joe's, right? Like it's just, there's so many different factors that go into scoring, but if you can't score late in a game, especially when you're trying to close it out or trying to keep close, they're not going to, you know, be able to accomplish much, but the fact that they've been in games, like Ryan said, to have that sort of, I mean, as like almost naive as it is to say, to be in the position to blow a game, like, you know, that's impressive too. So, you know, I think, uh, I think it's the late game scoring that has really killed them. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Biggest, I don't want to say a huge surprise, but yeah, the, the play of Zion Stanford, as Kyle said, he, he needs work on his defense, but maybe the staff wasn't surprised, but he really worked on his body over the summer He's really been, I think, really, really calm and composed. The way he plays around the rim, around the basket, isn't afraid to take tough shots, isn't afraid to draw contact. Maybe the biggest negative, I, not that I thought that Heisier Miller was going to be a terrific offensive player, but I didn't think he would struggle with his shooting as much as he has. And he's really struggled around, not just when we talk about his shooting, it's not just the threes. It's It's not being able to finish at the rim, getting rejected at the rim. He had a really, really hard time finishing at the rim against St. Joe's players. I think it's going to take some some refocusing and creativity on his part to figure out when he's going to pull up for a jumper. You don't want to – you have to walk that fine line of not being afraid to drive to the bucket. And, and you know, he, he did it against Ole Miss. He was judicious. And I had said, yeah, I wish he would have pulled up for a jumper there. But, hey, he he against Ole Miss, he, he found – uh, Quante Berry for an open three. Unfortunately for Quante Berry and Temple, he didn't knock it down. But Hysier's got to find what his role is going to be and being more selective with his shooting. Temple fan Al has the next question here from the message boards. What quarterbacks in the transfer portal are Temple or are we recruiting? Is Temple recruiting? Previously, Temple landed transfer quarterbacks like Dewan Mathis, Real Mitchell, and Quincy Patterson, all of who never really panned out at Temple despite being highly ranked out of high school. How does Temple make sure it gets a starting caliber quarterback in the portal? Temple fan Al, you're an Al Scoop subscriber. You will see a name and a story that will be out about this weekend's list of visitors. So we're going to save that for subscribers. They are, of course, recruiting quarterbacks in the portal, but there's a name there to keep an eye on that we'll keep for subscribers. Cool hand red. Next question here in the mailbag from our subscribers. Adam Fisher has been using man-to-man defense most of the season so far. Do you think Temple should start to employ various zone defenses, especially against American Athletic Conference opponents? It seems at times Temple's rebounding has suffered when it's playing man defense. Uh, Sam Hoffman and Steve Settle are often caught being well away from the basket when a shot goes up. Um, To answer your question, they already have blended in some zone looks. And do you think Temple should start employing it? It's it's game to game. It's situation to situation. It's going to make sense for them in some games and certain possessions, certain stretches of the game, and it's not going to make sense in others. And the other point I would make to you when you say it seems at times the Temple's rebounding has suffered when they're playing man defense, it's also hard to rebound out of a zone too. You know, sometimes if you're playing man, again, depends on the literal play that we're talking about. But if you're talking about playing a 2-3, a 3-2, a 1-3-1, it, it's, it, coaches traditionally say it's harder to rebound out of a zone. So just going zone doesn't fix your rebounding. What will help fix your rebounding is getting Jaleel White back. you know. And some of this is just going to come with time as well. Uh, next question here, Mike TB31, who is Adam Miller. Ooh, that's a, that's a, 
Temple fans weren't exactly happy with uh, Yikes. <laughs> with the with the with the broadcast and uh, with uh, some of Harry Donahue's missteps. There is what it is. Don't have too much to add, add to that. Um, <laughs> to to round things out here, the Hick is back with his standard four to five part mailbag question. We'll get to these. Uh, why does Heiser Miller seem to have carte blanche on the court? I, good question, but like again, if you are Adam Fisher and not Adam Miller, you are going to initially <laughs> give give Heiser Miller the benefit of the doubt. There is some, and it, this may not resonate with fans, but you know, Adam has said, "Hey, I, you know, Heiser and Jaleel, they've got me for life." Because he could have lost him to the portal. And again, Temple's not going to the tournament this year, barring a, a, a major turnaround, but it's not the worst thing in the world to give the benefit of the doubt to Heisier Miller. I do think that in time and over the course of these next several games, you probably will see an adjustment to, you know, I don't even think Heisier Miller wants to be shooting 25, 26 times a game, but he's going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's one of the veteran players on the team. Doesn't mean he's a future pro, but I don't know. Anybody want to weigh in on that one? I, it's going to sound like, cheesy or cliche i guess but he's the point guard like he runs their offense and while he may not be the best facilitator i i have my own beef with him and pick and roll um he he has the ball in his hands all the time he it seems like he's the one who they trust to facilitate their offense so whatever he sees best on the court at in that particular point in time he's he's going to do yeah. Uh, will Quante Berry and Shane Dezoni start getting consistent minutes is the Hicks next question. I, I Yes, on Quante Berry, Shane Dezoni, we'll see. I mean, that's just, well, that's just Bradley my... Bradley Beal minutes. What's that? I said Bradley Beal minutes. Bradley Beal minutes. Um, I mean, look, I mean, again, I, we could probably answer all these questions in similar fashion. This is year one of a rebuilding effort. You lost... Damian Dunn, Zach Hicks, Jamil Reynolds, Nick Jordan, uh, technically KB. KB, if Caleb Battle was actually going to come back or if Adam Fisher wanted him back. Uh, look, the only way KB was coming back is if Caleb Battle was the coach of Temple Basketball. Yeah. Or if he got a <laughs> sizable. Like coach, do what you got to do. Or if he got a sizable NIL deal. And look, hey, tip of the cap to, to KB. He's playing well so far. At Arkansas, I don't want to take away from what he's doing there, but they look, they, they lost a sizable chunk of, of their roster. And, and all these questions that the Hick is asking here, you're we're looking at an eight game sample size in the first year of a rebuilding effort. Yes, I could tell. I mean, Quante Berry already has now, he didn't get too many minutes against St. Joe's, which didn't surprise me. Uh, could you know, he he got a, a ton more minutes in the LaSalle game, part of that was out of necessity, but again. He responded, didn't turn the ball over in 21 minutes, had 13 points. Shane Dezoni, Shane Dezoni's just got to hit some shots. He can handle the ball a little bit. I don't know that Shane is much of a facilitator, but I, sure, I could see him getting more minutes if anybody else has anything to add to this one or if we want to move on to the three other questions that we got here. I think traditionally rotations get tighter right. by the time you get into conference play, not expand. They don't expand. Mm -hmm. So if anything... I mean, I think Quante Barry is going to carve out a role because he has the ability to kind of like, like Adam Fisher said, he wants to get Heiser Miller less minutes. He wants to give him more rest. I think Quante Barry has the ability to move the ball up, as is Jordan Riley. But I think Shane Dezoni, for the most part, Zion Stanford's taking a lot of his minutes. Like, mm -hmm. 
if they were banking on Shane Zazoni to yeah. be a scoring threat off the bench, well, a true freshman just came in as averaging 12 a game off the bench. So you're probably going to keep feeding that guy. Yeah. Uh, next question here. Will Jordan Riley get more time on the ball to help improve ball movement? He already has. Yeah. I think he, I, I think that he will, you know, and again, I think all of this, well, as cliche as it sounds, will create some healthy competition for Hysier Miller. Again, it's, it's fair to criticize Hysier's play. I'm sure he's his own worst critic. He would, he would, if we had him on right. the pod right now, he would say that he's not shooting well, he's not playing as well as he could, but yeah, we've already we've already seen some of that. And I think you guys, you know, you guys were there. I mean, they did take him off the ball in certain stretches against Bloomsburg and that's, you know, and again, I, I think everybody by now should be over the shock value of Temple playing a D2 team. So many teams across America now have played D2 and D3 teams. So it's not, it's not this novel concept anymore. I, get I would have it. a bigger issue with it. If you were St. Joe's and you're trying to compete for an at large bid this year, right. cause like that's just hurting your strength schedule. Right. Temple's not trying to compete for an at large bid. They're just trying to get wins. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Jordan Riley is getting more time on the ball to help ball movement. I think that will continue. Next question here from the Hick. Why does Steve settle get situated 23 feet from the bucket and the offense? I mean, the easy answer there and it's part of it is that, I mean, like you, he was situated 23 feet from the basket uh, in the LaSalle game and he hit the game tying (laughs) shot that sent it to second overtime. I mean, like, he, he is threes. Yeah, he shoots threes. Like it's not, he is not uh I'm not saying that Steve Settle can't post up and that he can't play around the rim, but he he's a shot maker and he has some versatility. So I think this question's a little antiquated where it's not yeah, you know, and this this will dovetail this into the last question here from the Hick. Are is Temple an inside out team, an outside in team, or will it be evolution? This this they're not like a you know, four out one in team where you're just working the ball through the post. I mean, Aaron used to talk about wanting to work inside out. They can't be an inside out team right now. Who is that inside out player? They don't, they don't have that player. I mean, it doesn't necessarily count as an inside out play, I would say, but I think they've done a decent job at times when teams have zoned them up. They've used someone like Zion Stanford near, not the, not the top of the key necessarily. They'll work the ball into the lane to work it back out. But they don't have the personnel to be an inside out team. Who is that? Who is that player? If Jameel Reynolds was still here, yeah, they could be yeah. somewhat of an inside out team, but they they don't have the personnel for it. And even when Dylan Batie gets here next year, you he's he is a athletic Bouncy. get up. Bouncy. Yeah, super athletic, get up and down the floor. You heard Bobby Jordan earlier in our conversation. I think right now, I think I think Dylan Batie might be even more athletic than Obi and Atchiona. And Obi was was playing some really, really good basketball. Really you know what Obi and Atchiona did? He shot threes. Yeah, shot threes, was versatile. I, I don't look, I'm sure if if they are able to get somebody in the portal who is a six foot eleven, two hundred and seventy pound space eater who can be someone like Jamil Reynolds, sure, they would probably take him, but they don't have the personnel to be an inside out team. And there aren't a ton of, I mean, this is a very general statement. There aren't a ton of inside out teams in, in college basketball right now. So would you say that Temple's basketball players have positions or would you say that they're position less <laughs> positionless the, basketball? It's the cliche hour on the screen. <laughs> There's my little, my maybe little Jamil thing. Reynolds will transfer back and he didn't get his waiver for it being a two-time transfer. 
three time transfer. Maybe you get the waiver for that. We'll get Charlie Baker on next week to, to, to ask. Nothing else going that. on. Yeah. I'll text I'll, him. You'll text I him. I call him Chuck. Chuck Baker. You. Chuck Baker. <laughs> well, that'll do it for this week. Thank you to all of you for listening. Thank you for all the mailbag questions. Big thank you to Bobby Jordan for joining us on the scoop as well. We'll have, of course, more basketball, more football recruiting news. Again, just a reminder, if you are not an Alscoop.com subscriber, you're missing out. You'll get the full list of visitors from this weekend. A lot of stuff going on the recruiting front for Temple football. We'll talk to you all soon. 